Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Man, it is a special day and a good day uh, for you to be here. Today we are having group link uh, after this service and uh, not really what I'm preaching on today, but I want to say one thing about it because here's going to be your temptation if you're not in a group. You're going to walk by and see people out there and go, oh, I should do that sometime. And I'm here to tell you right now, no, do it now. All right, do it now because uh, we are starting all new, tons and tons of new groups this semester. Uh, we have a lot of topical groups, uh, things that will teach you, groups that uh, meet uh, around community that will study our ser- study the sermon, lots and lots of ways for you to get connected here at River Valley. Being a part of a group, being in my group has been one of the joys of my life. I love it. I love the people in it. And it really is a the way that we grow, uh, one of the ways that we grow in our Christianity. So make sure, stick around, meet people, talk, and sign up for a group today. So, uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 17 today. Uh, As we talk about, and I talked about um, uh, this summer, felt the Lord was leading us to be much more intentionally multi-ethnic within our church. And uh, and then I told you, and I don't know what that means. I don't know how to do that. So, I spent the last uh, uh, second half of this year studying passages of Scripture, every Scripture that I could think of, that I could find uh, in the Bible, that talked about uh, multi-ethnic, what it looks like in in community and in church. And so we're going to walk through those because I want us to have a foundation today uh, and over these next weeks of how we can make sure that we understand biblically what the Bible says about different ethnicities, how we get along together within the local church. So I want to give you, uh, for starters, before we read our text, I want to give you four foundations of how we're going to look at uh, being a multi-ethnic church, almost four cornerstones of the foundation that we are going to build on. These are so important that we understand that this is the way that we are going to approach this subject. So number one is the Bible is the authority. The Bible is the authority. So. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, whether new or old, there have been many times in your life where you have been confronted by the fact that you were raised away, or you thought away, or you believed something, and then all of a sudden, you read in the Bible that God says something very different, and that's the moment that we have to choose. Are we going to let the Bible dictate what we think? Are we going to let the Bible dictate who we are and how we act? Are we going to let the way we were brought up or our culture or whatever else dictate? We at River Valley believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and so therefore it is the authority. We are going to read passages of Scripture and talk about it and make sure that we understand, hey, the Bible has a lot to say about this, and we're going to build on what the Bible says. Number two, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. If you're ever asked a question in church and you don't know what to say, say Jesus. It's a good chance that that's the right answer. So Jesus is the answer. And so one of the things that we need to understand is that sometimes I think that we think um, laws, politics, the the way things are happening right now, that those are really how racism is going to end. Those are really how the world is going to come to a better place. Well, let me give you an example of that. 1964, the Civil Rights Act 
was passed. Basically, it said that separate but equal is unequal, and it outlawed uh, institutional racism uh, where you would deny someone uh, goods or services uh, based on the color of their skin. That passed in 1964. There was a few laws after that, Voting Rights Act in the next year, and a few laws after that. But uh, in the, in the mid-60s, a lot of the legislation that we still base uh, how we act as a society was passed. Now, think about that. That's the mid-60s. When that law was passed, do you think people of color all over America breathed a sigh of relief and went, oh, thank goodness, racism is over. It's all done, man, because it's outlawed now. I mean, we can't, we can't have racism anymore. The government says so. The laws say so. It's not true. Here we are all these years later, and we still have uh, racism. We still have, I mean, don't you want to sometimes, I mean, it's not like people that are, that are doing racist acts. Sometimes you could come up to them and, hey, do you, do you not know that's wrong? Do you not know that's bad? Do you know? Well, of course they do. Here's the problem. See, laws can highlight sin, but only Jesus can change your heart. Laws can highlight ways that we act. Laws can make us and, and somewhat force people to do certain things, but Jesus changes our heart. And the best way for you and I to get along in the world in which we live is to have Jesus Christ in our life, and he will transform us from the inside out. He will take a former racist of the nth degree and change them into a person who loves every man and woman and child in the face of the earth. And so, uh, Jesus is the answer. Number three, I'm only saying what I'm saying. Let me explain this. When we're—I'm going to be preaching over, over uh, being a multi-ethnic church for the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to say a lot of things. And what I'm saying when those things is just what I'm saying and nothing else. Here's how we think today. Someone will say, oh, he just agreed with the president. Oh, he just agreed with the former president. Well, they say this or this or this. They did this or this, so he must agree with those things too. And then, and then you just try to find out this whole line of thinking based on that, and it's not true. I'm saying what I'm saying, and that's it. Let me give you my best example. I remember when this happened so clearly. Uh, I was reading a book on the— uh, on the Civil War, and I came across this great story, and I was like, oh, I cannot wait to preach that. And so, uh, here's the story. Uh, young uh, Army Lieutenant, uh, his uh, first name was Jeff, so he's leading a group of men deep into the woods, and they're, come, they're on a path. All of a sudden, he's got about seven or eight men. All of a sudden, they come into a clearing, and there is a group of war, uh, Indian warriors who have just killed an Army regiment much bigger than them. In fact, they are still working on their scalps. And so Jeff, uh, Jeff uh, has uh, a few men. He comes across dozens of men. And he's like, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm in the wrong place. And so he's in trouble. So, of course, they take off uh, running the opposite way. The Indians chase them. And so now they're in a race. So they come down to a lake they find some of the Indians' canoes, and they get in one of the canoes, and the men are paddling, but the Indians are right behind them paddling, and it's their canoes. They're much more proficient in it, and they're gaining on them. 
And so Jeff makes a decision. He tells two of the men to stop rowing with their oars because there was a strong wind. And he tells them to put their oars on each side, and he puts a shirt over those oars, and they hold them up. And the wind blows them faster than they could have uh, been rowing, and they're able to escape the, uh, the Indians. And so uh, what's the point of that story? That's a cool story. All right, so, so I made the point of here's the deal. Uh, sometimes it's better to just sit back and let God do what he's doing and to blow you in the direction that he wants. But here's the problem with that story, and here's what I came across. The young uh, army officer whose name was Jeff, that's Jefferson Davis, who became the uh, president of the Confederate States of America. Well, by saying that story, what am I saying? I'm saying that's a cool story. What I'm not saying is that I agree with Jefferson Davis on his views on slavery during the mid-1860s. Absolutely not. And so I had to go through that, and I had to think, I'm like, will people think I'm a racist by telling a cool story about the president of the Confederate States? And, and I, I don't think they will, because here's the deal. I can't use any illustrations for any people anywhere unless I'm going to include people who are sinners. I can't use Jefferson Davis. I can't use Robert E. Lee. I can't use Abraham Lincoln. Modern times, I can't use Billy Graham, who's my favorite preacher. I can't use Mother Teresa. I can't use Martin Luther King because they're all sinners. I would have to tell you only stories about Jesus. And so let's agree right now that we're not going to follow some sort of weird line all the way till its end to, to make it something it's not. And I'm going to have to continue to do that. I mean, I read a book a, a few years ago, and I had tons of illustrations about Stonewall Jackson, such an incredible man. He fought on the wrong side, and I didn't agree with uh, many of the things that he stood for, but he was a, an incredible man. And so we want to make sure I'm only saying what I'm saying. Last, last foundation, we will give grace. We will give grace. Uh, there's a, there's a, um, a woman of color in our church, and I talk to her a lot about things that I'm thinking. I, th I talk to her a lot about, uh, um, you know, what I'm doing, and she, she always encourages me. Uh, and she said this great statement a while back. She said, when you're in doubt on what to say or how to think about racial uh, issues and how it would come across to a black person, she says, call me. I will not get offended. That's such a great statement, isn't it? I mean, because I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna say something dumb, but at the same time, I don't wanna have to call somebody and go, hey, I don't know how to say this and worry about if I'm gonna offend her. And she's like, I will not get offended. And she's wonderful. And I told her, listen, if I say something and I don't even ask, but I say it and you're like, oh, just call me and go, you can't say that ever again. All right, don't say that, all right? You don't get to do that. that and, 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 and I gave her that that right. Don't help me to do that. And here's the deal. She knows my intentions are pure. She knows my intentions are pure. Sometimes my implementation is poor. And so we're going to give grace in all the things that we talk about in being multi-ethnic and, and dealing with uh, people of different races. So here we go. Uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 26. 27. Paul is preaching to a, a group of Gentiles, and he says this, from one man, God has made every nationality to live over the whole earth, 
and he has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each of us. When I read this passage and I studied this passage, I wrote in my, I have a journal that I was studying in, and I wrote, this is the first one. This is the anchor passage because this shows us how we got to where we got today and why we got there. And so there's thousands of years of history in these verses right here. So the Bible says that God created all the world through one man. And it says in there, Adam and Eve are all of our spiritual ancestors. We can all trace our family lineage back to Adam and Eve. God told Adam and Eve, he said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, have lots of kids. And then he told them, I want you to go and I want you to spread out through the whole world. He said, don't stay in this area, spread out through the whole world. And I want you to subdue and rule the entire earth. And so they did that, or they were supposed to do that. But in Genesis 11, we read about the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel is a group of people who have come down to a plane together, and they haven't spread out through the whole earth. They've stayed right there, centrally located together. And so they say specifically in there exactly what Jesus told them not to do. They say, let's stay here, let's build this temple or this tower, and let's make sure that we can build it so we'll make a great name for ourselves, and we won't have to move. God said, spread through the whole earth. And they said, no, we're going to stay right here. And so God confused their language. This is where we get languages from. And God spread them out through the whole world. And so we have these groups of people now who are migrating and spreading out through the entire world. And this is where we get the majority of what we think about as in different races today. It's different skin colors today. So you look at people and, uh, who have different races, different skin colors, different uh, um, physical markers that you would think of that make them uh, a certain race or a certain ethnicity. This is where we get those groups from all over the world. Think about, especially um, pre-modern times, think about groups of people and how they look and how they are all over the earth today. Think about Asia and how we see people who are Asian, and we see differences in nationalities and countries, but they tend to look very similar. Think about the Middle East and Northern, uh, and Northern Africa. We, te we tend to have people who have uh, very similar characteristics. Think about Southern Africa, especially Sub-Saharan Africa. Think about uh, Europe and how we have. Think about uh, Latin America. Thank you, baby. <laughs> Anybody else wanna bring me some water? <laughs> Nice. I love you, Kate. So, so we have all of these uh, races all over the world, and we have them uh, mainly in color groups around all of these places all over the world. This is the, one of the first things that I discovered as I was reading that I thought, that's wrong the way I've been thinking about it. Here's the deal. I've always said and taught or thought, you know, I, I didn't really think about it. I just kind of accepted, well, people are different colors. That's what I've said. Uh, you know, people are black or brown or white or, or uh, in uh, Native Americans, we would call red many times or, or Asians, sometimes we say yellow, and we would think of them as different colors. That's not true. That's actually not accurate. And I watched a, 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 a video by a man that explained genetics and uh, skin variations, and it's actually very easy. 
You get skin tone uh, based on your melanin, mainly, which is, a, uh, which is a cell within your skin that produces darkness. And so you get this. But if you think about it and th- think about people all over the world and how they look, they go to different places. They, uh, if you have people with dominant genes in that place, they begin, to, they begin to have children and have children, and that's where you get uh, these pockets of people that look very similar as far as their skin tone is. But look, they're not different colors. Everyone in the world is a shade of brown. Every single person is a shade of brown. You think about it, the majority of people in the world, it's like a bell curve, are brown in our society today. Almost all of Latin America, most of the Middle East, most of Northern uh, Africa are brown. And then we've got some outliers who are a little bit lighter skinned and some that are a little bit darker skinned, but it's all brown. It's all a shade of brown. And you say, you think of, uh, you say people are, are white or black or something like that. It's really not accurate. It's a shade of brown. Let me prove it to you. You would call me white, but let me ask you, am I white? <laughs> am I? I mean, you, you know, that's white. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm a shade of it. And so what we have find from all of these people all over the world is we find this amazing thing that happens as they go and they spread out and they begin to uh, have children, they begin to breed, and, and, and all of a sudden we have these different skin tones. It's a very, very minor, minor part of our genetic makeup is our skin tones. And it's this thing that we tend to see over and over and over again that we use to make us so vastly different when really it's shades of melanin. It's shades of brown. And God says, I put them in every nation in the earth. I put them where they are from. Now, America is actually extremely unique even today. Watch the Olympics. Watch when the countries come from the Olympics. You will see the vast majority of countries look exactly the same. They are exactly the same. Think about it. When you see the Chinese team, guess what they look like? Every single one of them is Chinese. Every single one. But what about America? America is different. America is this place that is very vastly uh, uh, color Uh, has a lot of different people of different shades. And and so you see that coming in. Now, there's two reasons. The first is, is that America was uh, and is the land of opportunity and freedom for people, especially coming mainly from uh, Europe and so that they could have uh, religious freedom. A lot of the early settlers, pilgrims, those type of people came so that they could have religious freedom. The other group were brought here against their will and they were slaves. And it's a part of our heritage that is horrible, but it is how we became the diverse people that we are today. And there's a reason that God allowed it to happen. And there's a reason that he did. But let me go on before I get to the reason. God says, I'll cause you to make to be in every nation on the earth. And then he said, I appointed you a time in which to live. You and I are appointed a time in which to live right now. I heard a pastor uh, here not long ago. He was uh, much older, and he was talking about how awesome it was to grow up in the 50s. 
man, in the 50s, I would ride my bike into town, and I would not worry about anything, and it was very Mayberry, you know, and I would go to eat with my uh, cousins for lunch, and it was just great and everything, and I was listening to him, and I was like, that's not cool. Growing up in the 80s, that's cool. I mean, you're driving around in your Camaro, you've got the T-tops open, your mullet's blowing, you're listening to Poison on the radio, on your tape, you know, that's the way to grow up. Man, I loved growing up in the 80s. And so God appointed each of us a time in which to live. Each of us now are in a nationality, which is the great predictor of your color of skin. And he also appointed us a time in which to live. And then he says he appointed you a boundary. God appointed you a boundary. We think, especially in America, you can go anywhere and you can do anything and you can be, and the Bible says, no, 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 God has a boundary for you. There are some places God won't let you go. There are some places that God will say, no, 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 and God will thwart your efforts. God will keep you from those. So back to the 80s, those of us that grew up in the 80s and we used to play Oregon Trail, well, you got to be careful because if you go to the Oregon Trail, you could get dysentery and die. And so that's exactly, some of you are like, I don't even know what he's talking about. It's all right. So, uh, so we'll, have, we'll have enough jokes for every generation eventually. All right. So, so this is how it's happening. God puts every person where they are. God, and that's the major predictor of what they look like in their skin tone. God puts them in an exact time. God keeps them where he wants. Why? In verse 27, it says, so that they may, uh, so that they may seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him. God made you look the way you look. God made you born when you were born. God keeps you where you are for one reason, because that is the way that is maximized that you will reach out to him, that you will know him. And it's working. You're here right now. You're here right now hearing about God's plan for you that it includes how old you are and where you're from. It includes what you look like. It includes your family of origin. Even if sometimes uh, some of those things, uh, you know, maybe you grew up in in some kind of dysfunction or maybe you grew up in something, but God used all of those circumstances because he knew that was the way that you would be maximized in order to know him as Lord. Think about, man, my kids, I, I, I feel like my kids um, uh, grew up in, in this church uh, primarily. Uh, I remember in the early days, we went home for a church, and, and Creed was used to us being portable. We, we didn't used to have all this building, and we were going to a church with a building. He goes, oh, look, it's a real church. They have a building. And uh, I remember my kids, a lot of times, they didn't have uh, everything that we have now. We didn't have a student ministry for a while. We didn't have fifth and sixth grade ministry for a while. And yet, God put them here during this time because it maximized their opportunity to hear the gospel and get saved. That's why they were there. Well, what about me? I grew up in a church that you had to dress up on Sunday. I grew up in a church, I mean, I remember my mom and my sister griping every Sunday morning about having to wear dresses and pantyhose. I mean, they hated it, you, you know? And, but God did that because it maximized who they were and then it would bring them together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you the best story uh, I, I came across recently. Let me show you a picture of a Maasai warrior. Uh, these are uh, primarily in Kenya. So uh, early 1980s, um, 
we find out this story later because of one of the men gets saved and he becomes an evangelist and he goes to Billy Graham's evangelism uh, school in Amsterdam. But here's the story. A Maasai warrior, his name is Joseph. He's walking along a path one day and he comes across some men. And uh, he's a little worried at first, but the men are smiling, seem to mean him no harm. So he greets them and they sit and they talk for a while. And these men are missionaries, and they weren't going to his place or his tribe. They just has to happen to cross paths. And so these missionaries tell Joseph the story of Jesus Christ. They tell him that Jesus came into the world, that he could forgive Joseph for his sins, and that he could set him free. And Joseph, I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes when you tell people about Jesus, they just open up to the gospel. And that's exactly what happened to him. And he just, I mean, he just came alive, and he accepted Jesus Christ. First time to hear it. And they said, we're not going. You know, he said, come to my village, tell my people. And they said, we're not going there. We have another appointment somewhere else. But you go tell them. And, and so Joseph was excited. Man, he, he had found eternal life. And so Joseph went back uh, to his village and uh, began to go door to door. And uh, he was amazed because he was not met with um, enthusiasm. He was met with violence. He was met with anger. That, that he was telling that he was telling them this story so much so that it became at uh, one point uh, he kept doing it kept doing it so the villagers got together the men held Joseph down and the women whipped him with barbed wire and so they took him half dead they took him to the edge of the of where their territory was they dropped him and Joseph was in and out of consciousness for over a week and so he finally got better, he, and he, he was confused, and he thought, I've done something wrong, because I didn't explain it clearly, because if I did, then they would know, uh, they would want what I have. And so it's my fault, I've done it poorly. So he goes back into the village after a week, uh, his wounds are just starting to heal. Of course, the people are amazed uh, that he survived, a little alone that he would come back, and he begins to tell them again, I'm so sorry, maybe I didn't tell you right, you can know the living God. He has come in the form of Jesus. He's died on the cross to forgive your sins. He's been raised from the dead. You can know him. And the people uh, go from anger to violence again. And so again, they beat him. They open back up the old wounds. And again, they take him to the edge of the village or uh, the edge of their territory. And Joseph again goes through a process of healing. And he sits there and he thinks, what is going on? Why in the world can I not convince them and help them understand about what I have? So he goes back a third time. He goes back to the village. The exact same thing happens. And he says, the men are, he's trying to witness. He's trying to tell people about Jesus any way he can. And the men begin to hold him. And the women begin to weep. Uh, the, the women begin to beat him. But all of a sudden, he says, I, I'm so sorry. I just don't think I'm explaining it to you clearly. And he begins to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, the last thing he remembers before he passes out is one of the women stop whipping him with the barbed wire and start to cry. And this time he wakes up, the third time he wakes up, and instead of being thrown for dead on the edge of the village, he wakes up in his own bed. And in his own bed, there are women around him, and they are nursing him back to health. And there are guards at the door of his Maasai uh, tribesmen, brothers, holding the door and keeping, uh, keeping him safe because many of them have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so they, he begins to tell them, and eventually, literally, his whole village comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord. And 
uh, this story came from uh, Amsterdam, 1986. Billy Graham had worldwide uh, group of evangelists come together, and Joseph was there to tell his story, and they were so impressed that they let him tell the story on stage. He got to meet Billy Graham. He let his entire, he still has the scars on his body. Uh, he got to lead his entire family to Jesus, his entire village to Jesus, everyone that was connected to him to Jesus. Why? Because God placed him in Kenya. God gave him the color of tone of skin that he has. God placed him there at that time. God placed him there and said, you can go no further. And God brought him the gospel, and he brought the gospel so that they might call out to God, so that you might know God. God has a plan for you in everything that you see in the mirror. Everything that you see on the calendar, everything that God has for you is held up in the fact that he loves you and he wants to show you his son, Jesus Christ, and he wants you to be saved. So today, let me give you a couple of conclusions. Number one, here's the conclusions for our sermon. Number one, show me this picture. Here's a biological fact. All humans belong to one race, the human race. Every single one of us has an ancestor of Adam. We have slight differences in the tone and the shades of our skin, but all of us are human. There is one race, the human race, every single one of them. Look at those pictures. Look at the differences. But the differences are slight. There's one human race. So that's one conclusion. Number two is a spiritual race. Spiritual race. All humans are divided into two races. All humans spiritually are divided into two spiritual races, those who are saved and those who are lost. And again, look at the ones in the light and look at the ones in the dark. Go back on that one, please. Look at the ones in the light and the ones that are in the dark. You see uh, in all of them, I mean, there's, there's differences and similarities. There are two races of spiritual people, those who know Christ and those who don't. What's the difference in the races? Right here. Go to this next slide the direction in which they are racing. The difference in the spiritual races is not the way they look on the outside. The difference in the spiritual races is which way they are racing. Are they going towards the light, towards Jesus Christ, or away from it? Are they going to him or away from him? God made a way. God put you on this earth so that you would know everything, and you could come to faith in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, a very last word on this, he says, and he is not far off. Jesus is right here, right now. He's orchestrated everything in your life so that you could be here, so that you could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that you could know who he is, and so that you could find him as Lord. Let's do that right now. I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second. There is only one biological race of people here today, the human race. All of us have Adam as our ancestor, all of us. But the Bible says because of that, because Adam sinned, we are born with a propensity to sin. We are born with a, a desire to do things our own way. And so today, while there's one human race, there's two spiritual races. 
Which one are you? Are you a person of Jesus? Are you a person of the light? Are you a person who is finding and seeking after Him? The Bible says that everything in your life, the time that you were born, the nation that you are from, the way that you look in a mirror, the boundaries that He set for you are all there so that you might call out to Him. He wants you to call. He's made a way for you to get saved. He's made a way for you to have eternal life in Jesus. So today, right where you are, I'm going to invite you. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. Jesus thought about you on the cross. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. And frankly, at River Valley, so do we. Man, we're so thankful you're here. And we want you to know this great Savior that someone introduced us to. So right where you are today, you can ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask Him to forgive your sins right now. Jesus, come in. Forgive my sins. Tell, tell, <clears throat> tell Him, <clears throat> thank you. Everything about your life is bringing you to this moment. <clears throat> Everything. He wants you. Thank you, Jesus. And today, ask Him to forgive your sins. Ask Him to come into your life. And let Jesus set you free. For those who are part of River Valley, pray. God, give us the people of Bastrop. Give us every shade and every tone of brown. God, we want everyone who's in this town to know Jesus Christ. Help us to be a truly multi-ethnic church. <clears throat> God, we pray for the people of our community that they would know you and that they would love you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and let's praise. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.